Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More than a movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. What is the biggest failure right now of the Biden regime? A lot of answers you could throw out there, but... I think a strong one, an answer that would be tough to beat, would be the border. The border is wide open. It is a mess. People who have been working on border issues and border security for years, um, uh, for decades even, are saying this is the most lawless and the most wide open they have ever seen it. Um, more than 60%, 62% in the Washington Post ABC News poll disapprove of Biden on the border as of this weekend. So there's a, a recognition that he's doing a really poor job. Remember, this is a federal responsibility. The federal government is supposed to be handling this. They're supposed to be doing this. And they're effectively derelict in their duty. And if you want to get a sense of how bad it has gotten, Fox News' Bill Hemmer had this breaking news on 11,000 illegal immigrant encounters in 24 hours. Play clip one. We're getting breaking news from the border. Customs and Border Patrol sources telling Fox News they've recorded 11,000 encounters in the past 24 hours. They say it's the single highest day in recent memory in that town of Eagle Pass in Texas. Alone, Eagle Pass saw more than 4,000 this weekend. A lot of these are live images now uh, that we've been watching throughout the morning. It's not ebbing, in case you're wondering, on that point. 11,000, Clay, the single highest day in recent memory. So we're setting records here at the border. We're seeing numbers that are astonishing. Uh, when you just think about, that's in one day. You know, 30 days in a month, you start to do the math, you recognize what the inflow of illegals is going to look like. And, you know, the Biden administration, I, I think at this point, is getting closer and closer to the recognition that they got to do something about this. Uh, you might have seen this there. Mexico, this is on uh, this is CNN yesterday. 
makes agreement with U.S. to deport migrants from its border cities. As one mayor warns, his city is at the breaking point. So Mexico says that they will deport migrants from border cities to home countries and take several actions to deter migrants. I mean, they're hoping to, Clay, depressurize the situation in northern Mexican cities. I think this is so interesting for everyone to note that the flow, it's like what we see crossing every day doesn't even take into account how many people are waiting for the right time to cross, how many are on their way currently to get to the border to cross, that the flood is ongoing, it is constant, and it is only going to increase. There's a video right now that's going viral, Buck, that's been posted in the last 15 minutes or so. Uh, illegals crossing from, from Mexico have put a Venezuela flag on a Texas island, uh, I'm reading from Christian Collins, in the middle of the river in Eagle Pass, Texas. Um, the, now the Texas uh, uh, Border Patrol went and took down the flag, but you can watch and see this huge Venezuela flag that is flying um, in the middle of the river on the Texas side of the border, according to uh, according to this in Eagle Pass, Texas. 470,000 Venezuelans. Was it Friday when this officially became the news? That Joe Biden said, you can all go get jobs now. I guarantee you, and I've already seen the reporting on it, what happens in Venezuela? Huge percentages of people that are left behind in Venezuela get notified instantaneously that now you can go to the United States and immediately get a job. What do you think people in Venezuela are going to do? Pretend that you could make 40 times as much money as you currently make. And if you just were willing to make a trip to go to a new country, how many of you out there listening to us right now would be willing to take a long, arduous journey to make 40 times as much money as you do right now? I bet, Buck, a monster percentage of our listeners. And when Joe Biden said... All of you guys can go get jobs. He just guaranteed, and I'm not exaggerating here, he just guaranteed that millions, millions more Venezuelans, I believe, will leave their socialist, uh, torn-apart country and begin the trip to the United States because they see what's happening with those 470,000. And you don't think that they're going to be, and people say, well, you had to be here before July 31st. One, do you not think they're going to extend this again when there's even more illegals? The incentive structures are so clear. We have a wide open southern border. This by itself, Buck, in my opinion, is enough to impeach Joe Biden. When you're talking about, I think we're approaching now 7 million illegals that we know have, that we know of have entered the country since Joe Biden became president. I really don't think we've seen anything yet. I think these numbers are going to continue to get worse and worse because effectively what Joe Biden is saying is, come on up here, we want you to be here. We're changing the law to ensure that you can be taken care of once you get here. I mean, the faithless execution of his responsibility to uphold and defend the Constitution and the laws of this land, and specifically the immigration laws of this land, is is a very real consideration at this point. We know that Democrats will certainly not go along with any impeachment of Biden based upon 
what's happening at the border. But the more we look into this, the more we see this, Clay, I don't think that it's a tenable situation for them going into an election to have it as wide open as it currently is. You know, I don't think it's really possible for Democrats to think that they're going to be in a strong position. Remember, it's not just about Biden. It'll affect the Democrat Party more broadly. Now we're talking about down-ticket responsibility. Yes, it's the federal government, it's the executive branch that has first, uh, you know, the first line of, or, or the, the buck stops with them in terms of responsibility, but there are other um, Democrats who, based upon their positions on this and, and how they speak about the immigration issue, I think could find themselves in a degree of uh, political trouble. And I think that this is the most important issue in the country in many ways right now because it also shows the degree to which the regime, the establishment, is willing to ignore certain laws. I mean, this immigration law just doesn't really count anymore. Yeah. They don't, they don't have the will. They don't have the interest to enforce the laws that are on the books about immigration. You start to say when they're systematically picking and choosing what statutes apply, you know, it's not, Oh, you know, in this case, uh, extraordinary circumstance or, you know, in the interest of justice, we're going to have this attitude. It's just. No, we're just not going to enforce this law or these these category of laws. What are people supposed to take from that? I mean, how are we supposed to view the rule of law in the country more broadly? Buck, how many people do you think are going to claim to be Venezuelan? Like if you had come in, I mean, again, think about incentive structures. Think about what you would do in order to make the best living that you could if you knew that Venezuelan uh, immigrants were being illegals, were being treated differently than somebody from Honduras or somebody from Haiti or wherever else it might be, we got people crossing from 160 different countries. I guarantee you that a huge number of people from other countries are also going to pretend that they are Venezuelan. And do we have the ability and the wherewithal to be able to distinguish where all these illegals are coming from? I, I doubt it. And so you're going to end up with even more incentive structure that is going out, not just the Venezuelans. And again, I think there will be millions, millions more Venezuelans who now will make the trek to the United States, never to leave. It's important to slam this home. Mexico, it used to be that people went back and forth across the border. So there would be a, a work season in the United States. Maybe there's crops that need to be harvested. Whatever it is, jobs pay better. People cross into the United States. They work, then they return home. If you come here from Venezuela, you are never going home. By and large, you are here for life because are you going to risk your ability to get back into the country by leaving? No. It's not like you can easily walk across the border or travel back and forth in an easy fashion like you could historically to Mexico. These people are here forever. And the 7 million that have come in are here. Coming. And they're going to have kids. Huge numbers of them are going to have kids. And, and you know, this, this notion that we need migrants, illegal immigrants, to shore up the social safety net in this country, you're talking about overwhelmingly, and now this is going beyond just the surge in, in Venezuelan migrants to just people showing up at the border, you're talking about people who have not been vetted nor have been uh, put through any kind of a merit-based immigration process. So you're going to have a lot of people who speak little or no English. 
a lot of people with little or really almost no formal education. And uh, there's going to be a lot of social services, a lot of expense to the taxpayer that these individuals will, will incur, which is exactly what we're seeing in New York, which is exactly what we're seeing in Chicago and, and, and other cities where you have a lot of these markets. I, I know they'll say, oh, well, this is just part of the transition period. That's not really true. Uh, you're going to have to have a lot of these uh, migrants going to be dependent on Medicaid, uh, if they can get it in their states, they're going to be dependent on um, effectively the welfare state in some capacity or another. And the about the they, kids in school, you've talked about this in New York City. They don't have to get the COVID shot. Yeah. So you, you start to see this and you say, well, ho- hold on a second. Is there a number? I mean, you can take this down to the most baseline analysis and conversation. Is there a number of migrants that is just too much? That Democrats would say, you know what? You guys are right. We're really, we've kicked the doors far too wide open on this one. We've got a real, we got a real problem here. 10 million? 15 million? I mean, new. I'm not talking about the ones already in the country. Right. You know? And, and if the answer is no, there's no number that's too much. They should say that out loud. If the answer is yes, there is a number that's too high. They should be willing to tell us, okay, well, why? What's the downside? Is the, here's a good question for you, Buck. Is there any other country in the world that has 30 million, because I think that's probably close to the number, illegals living in their country right now? Nope. I, f- I find it hard to believe. I, I, I don't think there's any. And, and so for everybody out there to think about, why has every other country in the world decided that they don't want what's happening in the United States to happen there? I mean, it's a big story in Italy, in France. Many different European countries where people can try to get from Africa to these, uh, these, Africa in the Middle East to these Middle Eastern, uh, to, to these European countries. Yeah. It's a pinprick of the number that we're dealing with here. I mean, I've, I've, uh, been to the Zatari refugee camp in Jordan along the Jordan-Syria border from when the, you know, Syrian war was range, uh, raging. And it was about a hundred thousand, maybe a hundred and fifteen thousand people living in that, in that camp. And there were concerns about where they could go, the resources, the strain on Jordan, the strain on neighboring countries, you know, who's going to take them in. We've taken in orders of magnitude more people. Yes. We, we've taken, I mean, not, and I, sh- I shouldn't say taken in. They've just showed up, actually. They've Correct. just said, you know, we're, we're here. We're getting asylum. So, um, this is going to continue to be a massive problem. And the only thing the Democrats are going to do is lie to you about wanting to solve it and try to obscure the numbers and make it seem like they're doing something to stop it. Because they they have no other option. I mean, they can't tell the American people that the border is open because that's what we want. Because a majority, there are, I think 20 or 30% of the country does want that. But a majority of the American people, solid majority of the American people, do not want that. Putting it in context, Buck, the single worst uh, approval ratings for Joe Biden on any issue, 23% of people approve of what he's doing at the border. Yeah. 23%. Are you on a fixed income? You'll benefit from an investment that delivers consistent returns without compromising your financial security. Phoenix Capital Group offers high-yield corporate bonds with returns of 9 to 13% annual interest that pays out monthly. With 2,000-plus satisfied investors paid on time every time, Phoenix Capital Group is giving investors a new high-yield option investing in domestic energy assets. Start earning these high yields and learn more about multiple offerings today at phxonair.com. 
Learn more by downloading the free investment guide today at phxonair.com. You can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 13% annual interest. Download the Phoenix Group's free investment guide today, phxonair.com. Investment in bonds have a certain amount of risk associated with it, and you should only invest if you can afford to bear the risk of loss. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, making sense in an insane world. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We haven't talked about it a great deal, but there is currently a strike going on with auto workers in many parts of the country. Some of you probably listen to us and work in some of those factories. I would bet that is very, very likely. Um, there's also, I think, a writer strike that's about to get solved in Hollywood, and then an actor strike. There's been a lot of strikes going on this year. AOC went on for an interview, and she was asked, given all of your commentary in favor of the unions, why do you drive a Tesla? Listen. You were quoted back in July saying you look forward to buying a union-made electric vehicle, but you currently have a non-union-made Tesla. UAW already makes some electric vehicles, so yes. why wasn't that? Is it a problem with the quality? Is it a problem with the style? Is the market just not there? Uh, no, the, our car was purchased uh, during the pandemic when travel mass, before a, a vaccine had come out. So travel between New York and Washington, the safest way that we had determined was an EV, but that was prior to um, some of the new models coming out on the market that had the range available uh, but we're actually looking into trading in our car now so right. we're looking wait, into it and hopefully we will soon wait okay, wait, wait that's wait, really wait, funny wait. buck what what is she even what is she saying what's the claim that the pandemic she bought a tesla 
because during the pandemic, I, I, like explain to me I what think, she I think her logic that she's trying to argue. First of all, I love the, the, the default. Well, it was during COVID and like as if that explains anything. I think what she's trying to argue is that the Tesla had greater, uh, mileage, uh, ability. So given the fact she's saying that they drive between New York and Washington DC, I don't know. What is that? Like a four and a half hour drive? I've made that drive several times. I just can't remember off the top of my head. And obviously traffic factors in. I think it's a four and a half or five hour drive, if I'm not mistaken. Is that about right? New York City to DC? Yeah, about four hours. Yeah. So I think she's trying to argue that the Tesla had greater charging distance. And so they were able to go back and forth better than with other electric vehicles. But that is pretty funny. I, I also would imagine that Elon takes some enjoyment in the fact that given how much she has come after him, that, uh, that she also went and bought a, uh, she went and bought a Tesla. But just to blame COVID is default. I think she thought she could just get out of it with the COVID blaming. And by the way, she could have easily bought another car. I don't know what her husband does. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. And also longer trips, one of the big knocks on Tesla's is that you have to, it's hard to find a charger that's I a know. rapid charger for the long, that's why I was like, what does she even, what does she even think she's saying? Doesn't make any sense. No, she's hoping that people are dumb, which, I mean, to be fair to her, her entire congressional career basically relies on the fact that people are very dumb. Pure Talk did something smart for their customers this summer. They upgraded the data plans for both their existing and new customers without increasing the monthly prices. Pure Talk added data to every plan, including a mobile hotspot with each one, no price increases whatsoever. Still, just 20 bucks a month for unlimited talk text, now 50% more 5G data plus a mobile hotspot. That's an impressive value proposition. Pure Talk cell phone service, impressive. And when you also consider their veteran-owned and employ an all-USA-based customer service team, it's a winning combination. Most families saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America Dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck to make the switch to Pure Talk today, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck, make the switch to Pure Talk today. You're going to love it. That's pound 250, an additional 50% off your first month. Make the switch today. Pound 250, say Clay and Buck. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. On the front lines of truth. Welcome back, everybody. Our friend Heather McDonald joins us now. Uh, she writes over at City Journal. She's at the Manhattan Institute. She's an author, author of The War on Cops. Uh, I want to talk to her about her latest piece on COVID uh, today. Heather, thanks for being here with us. Great. Thank you so much for having me on, Clay and Buck. So, Rational Fears of the Irrational is your piece. This is interesting to me. So now the media takes the position that anybody who is concerned that they, meaning the sort of Fauciite apparatus, may overreact, they're the overreactors. The hypocrisy is absolutely stunning. The New York Times has now developed its latest meme to try and show that at least half the country is a bunch of right-wing conspiracy theorist kooks by saying, if you're noticing that Biden is spending $600 million to generate yet more tests, free tests to distribute, if you're noticing that hospitals and elementary schools are putting back mask mandates, if you're concerned that we're going to go through yet again the worst policy failure in this nation's history, you're just crazy because, of course, we, the, the, the main 
mainstream left-wing establishment always follow the science. Uh, when, of course, what this nation went through for, for nearly three years was a betrayal of rational thinking, a betrayal of sensible cost-benefit analysis, risk, risk analysis, uh, hatred of the free market system, preference for government transfer payments. Uh, and, and if you're fearing that as the election nears, uh, we're going to go back to uh, vote by mail, automatic eligibility, drop, out, drop off boxes, you are absolutely the most rational people among us. Heather, what does it say uh, about American democracy that there were no consequences for Democrats, for the most part, getting everything wrong on COVID? Almost no one lost their jobs in positions of power. People lost their jobs who refused to get the COVID shot and worked in the military or worked in our hospitals or worked in our schools. But what does it say that no one in a decision-making process was pen punished at all by losing a job? Well, we haven't controlled the narrative yet. I'm worried that who's going to write the history? We don't know yet. And and it could be that the left, who, who engaged in this massive attack on childhood, on the economy, uh, on, on the people's ability to make a, a living, that they will write the history and they will be the ones who were the, the, the sane people. And those who criticized uh, will be continuously impugned as as right-wing nutcases that wanted to kill off grandma, as I was accused of doing even by somebody on the right, Yoram Hazani, when I very early in March 2020 said we are way overreacting to this. So it's not necessarily a failure of democracy because we don't yet know what the vast, vast milk of opinion is. I mean, the, you're right. We did not throw out 11 of the 12 pro-lockdown governors were re-elected in the 2022 elections. For me, one of the most stunning things about this whole experience was it, it, it was a litmus test or a Rorschach test of the American mentality, which into which the feminist safetyism that dominates campus culture has made very, very large inroads. Uh, and, and people, you know, it'll be interesting. I think there will be more resistance if we get uh, another effort at, at shutting down the economy and expanding government power and reach. There will be more resistance, but I can, I can guarantee you, of course, and you know this, there will still be a lot of people who dutifully put, put the masks back on, put them back on their children, uh, vaccinate their children, which is now being recommended by the CDC for six month olds. That is a grotesque abuse of power. So, who would have thought that America's divisions that are so profound now that a, a, a certain percentage of the country does not believe that there are biological men and women and that, and that biology matters? Who would have thought, I didn't see it coming, that our divisions even extend to the reaction to uh, a hyper-hyped so-called pandemic that we differ even in our reactions to public health advice uh, and and to mandates to turn our lives upside down and and destroy learning in our children. I wanted you to react, Heather, with with all you just said. And Clay and I are are um, trying not to start clapping in the middle of of what you're saying because we agree so wholeheartedly with your uh, your sense of what's gone on here with COVID. 
Dr. Fauci, however, Heather, I don't think he would agree with you. And here he was over the weekend saying that he is a, a victim of mean people on the right and that he has saved millions of lives. Play two. What happens is that if you become the symbol of, of, of the object of people's anger, even people who know nothing about you know the fact that in my career, I've been involved in saving literally millions of lives that people, hello, you know, forget that, is that I become that symbol. And then when they say something like that, you get somebody who doesn't know anything at all about me, who's crazy, says, wow, I'm going to go get that person or that person should be killed or that person should be prosecuted. And that's the reason why I have to have security. I mean, to me, he's delusional heather like clinically you know i get criticized of playing the victim card if i merely say in a a dispassionate fact-based way that yes i've been shut down here and there without any kind of maudlin self-pity uh so i'm reluctant to accuse anybody else of playing a victim because that that can be too facile an accusation but it's hard to resist saying that fauci is here playing the victim i mean it's absurd he said in march and, and, and February of 2020 that lockdowns do not work. And he flipped around and, and then was complete cheerleader for these absolutely destructive, unnecessary lockdowns. The fact of the matter is, is that we now have the data. We had it very early on, but we really have it now that countries that had minimal lockdowns like Sweden had lower excess death rates than countries with severe lockdowns the lockdowns killed people as well as covid it killed people through lack of hospital care uh suicide drug use he's just wrong uh our response that the 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 mainstream response in the united states was not pro-health uh, we knew early on in March 2020, we knew everything that we needed to know about COVID in the data that was coming out of Italy, which was that the average age of people dying of COVID was 80 and the average number of comorbidities was three. This was not a disease that was going to affect the young, the healthy, and instead we encouraged people to lock themselves up in their rooms, bake banana bread, eat endlessly in front of the, uh, the the TV and put on another 10, 20, 30 pounds to their already excessively fat bodies when obesity was the biggest predictor of, of getting severe consequences from COVID, of dying from COVID. Everything about this was completely backwards. The idea that we were sh- telling people don't go outside to exercise, I you know, I will never get over being reprimanded in Central Park, uh, you know, race walking or running by people who were cyclists going around wearing masks. You know, how dare you not wear a mask? You're going to kill me in Central Park. You could not infect anybody outdoors. And yet our public health authorities were cheering on uh, the, the destruction of the possibility of healthy outdoor exercise. Fauci was part of that. And, and as you say, if there was... If there was accountability based on the facts rather than on people's pre-existing political allegiances, their heads would roll. We would say, what the hell has gone on to our public health establishment? It has become deeply, deeply politicized, 
and will continue to be so, of course, uh, because now we have the whole gender and race ideology that has taken over our medical schools. Uh, so whether it's too late now to restore sane and fact-based medicine, I don't know. But we have to keep putting out the facts. You know, the, the millions also, let me just say this, Buck, that the millions of alleged deaths that he's talking about, we don't have a clue how many people actually died from COVID because early on in the pandemic, the CDC decided to count deaths with COVID as deaths from COVID. So if you've been hit by a car and you've lost, you know, the use of your lungs and your heart and they test you when you come into the hospital and you're testing positive for COVID, but in fact you die from the crushing of your, of your neurological system, you will be counted as a death from COVID. So they did everything they could to get these numbers up. I don't know if we can go back retroactively and find out how many were actually deaths from COVID, but right now we know for sure that, that we have way overestimated the deaths from COVID. Heather, I don't hear, you've done a lot of really good work on a variety of fronts. Uh, one of them has been the disaster that is defund the police. It seems to me, because you're talking about how this will play historically, that almost no one now is arguing in favor of defund the police. And in fact, lots of people who did argue in favor of it are now saying, oh, I never said that. What do we think about the data on the number of people that have died unnecessarily by demonizing police? Well, it's huge. I mean, that you can estimate. Uh, you can look at what the homicide rates were pre-George Floyd race riots, uh, and we know that 29% increase in homicide in 2020 following the George Floyd race riots. That translates to thousands more black lives that were taken. Uh, blacks died of homicide at about 33 times higher the rate, and they continue to die at a much higher rate now. Uh, and but you know the, that the explanation for that, of course, from the left is that well, it was the pandemic that that killed blacks, meaning that it was the pandemic which caused people to go start shooting in this barbaric way in these drive-by shootings uh, that that took such a big toll in gun violence on blacks. Blacks between the ages of of 10 and 24 die of gun homicide in the post-George Floyd era at 24 times the rate of whites in that same age cohort. Uh, but, but we're supposed to believe that, oh, somebody was like unable to put food on the table during COVID and that made him go out and grab a gun and start shooting at 16 year olds. I'm sorry, that is not the explanation. The explanation is the delegitimation of the police, which Biden made his theme while running for office, and he has continued his theme. He has continued to say that black parents are right to fear that their children will be killed by a police officer or by a white supremacist every time they step outside. That is an utter fiction. Uh, blacks are dying of gun homicide at astronomical rates, being killed by other blacks. So I'm not convinced. I, I, you know, I refuse to give in to any kind of optimism. It's true that that uh, there's. I mean, I haven't heard a lot of those voices, frankly, Buck, that are actually saying we made a mistake. I, I also think that conservatives were wrong to to seize too much on the actual defund language because there weren't that many politicians outside of Minneapolis 
uh, Oakland, you know, San Francisco, L.A., that were actually calling to defund. But what they were doing, and this is what was critical, is, is perpetuating the phony narrative of systemic police racism. And it was that assault to morale which has led to the ongoing recruitment crisis, the retirement crisis, police departments across the country. They weren't ever officially defunded, but they are way, way down in necessary manpower because everybody has said, to hell with this. Why should I be in a job where from the first day I step on that job, I'm going to be deemed by the President of the United States, no less, as an endemic racist? And that type of hatred, that official hatred, has translated onto the streets. You had an extreme rise in cop killings after the George Floyd race riots. Uh, and, and again, the reason for that is because especially blacks make up about 42% of all cop killers nationwide. Uh, they're way, way overrepresented among cop killers. And, and they have been told relentlessly that cops are their enemy, Resistance is up. That's going to lead officers to use their force, resulting in, you know, negative viral videos going around. Uh, so th- I'm, I'm not I'm not that convinced that we've turned this narrative around. Heather McDonald, author of The War on Cops, and go check out her latest at City Journal. Heather, thanks so much. Always good to have you here. Thanks, bud. There's some speculation from those paying attention to events in Washington, D.C., that our federal government may likely introduce a new currency form and a digital one at that. According to former Wall Street insider and digital currency expert Tika Tawari, the government might announce a mandatory national recall on the U.S. dollar, replacing it with a new digital version. Tika Tawari thinks that this could come as soon as this fall. He's exposing this government plan in a video you'll find online that gives you more details and shows you the three steps you need to take to prepare. Go to DollarRecall.com to watch this video that some in our federal government don't want you to see. Again, DollarRecall.com and learn how to prepare. That's DollarRecall.com, paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. The Clay and Buck Podcast Deep Dives with cool content, surprise guests. Get it all on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. 
and then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Thanks to Heather McDonald. Always fantastic in terms of her ability to deliver data and break down stories, I think, uniquely in a smart and interesting way. Appreciate her coming on the show. Encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast. Was at the end of last hour, I think, Buck, we were talking about uh, our esteemed staff let us know that it is National One-Hit Wonder Day. And I suggested Everybody Dance Now by the CNC Music Factory as a one-hit wonder that particularly came uh, to mind for me. VIP listener Paul said, I love listening to you guys. It's a good start. But you have the worst taste in music. Everybody Dance Now, you got to be kidding me. I feel sorry for your generation I like, so, I like I mean, how it just it just escalates so quickly. Yes, it's like I love because, you guys, but yeah. you're actually awful. You have the worst taste in music. Uh and then it ends with I feel sorry for your generation exclamation point. Um VIP listener Scott says that song is terrible, triple exclamation points, all caps. Uh American Pie. Does Don McLean not have any other famous songs? No. Is that true? I don't think so. Oh, that no. might be the answer. American Pie is an amazing song. That might be the best one-hit wonder of all time. What about Louie, the, Louie. Uh, who did who did Come On Eileen? Come On Eileen is a great song. I don't know that it's Dexie's Midnight Runners. Definitely a one-hit wonder. No one I've never heard of anything else they've done. I, I don't even know. I've never heard of the band, honestly. I think American Pie is one of the greatest American songs of all time. Ah, uh, I think. Are you kidding? Far on that one. Oh, I think American. That song is nearly flawless. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really do think. I mean, I I didn't know that that was a one-hit wonder, but that is an incredible song what, what, what that is I think the, kind of everybody loves. What is the most annoying one-hit wonder of all time? The Macarena. So, solid choice. I was going to say that or Who Let the Dogs Out. <laughs> but the dogs it's, out is it's definitely like music that was made for sports, you know, amphitheater situations or whatever, so... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I see that because it is almost entirely for sports arenas. But the Macarena, um, I I think is 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 my answer. To be honest. Who did the final countdown song? Who is that? Who is that? Uh, yeah. Who? Europe. Europe. They That's named what themselves we after a continent. Interesting. Madison Square Garden. They used to always play that one. The band is called Europe. That is a weak band name. No doubt. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow eve of debate two. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.